0: Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The Greenville Oaks Church of Christ seeks all who need Jesus and together are becoming His fully devoted followers, encouraging and equipping people to love God, love people, and serve others in an ever-growing way of life. Find out more about Greenville Oaks or connect with us online at greenvilleoaks.org. As always, we ask that you subscribe to, rate, and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with lead minister, Colin Packer.
1: Well, we're continuing our series here at Greenblow. It's called Launching Disciples, talking about how we get that launch pad ready for our kids to eventually, and our students, to be launched into the world. Last week was our baby dedication service, and we talked about the start of that process. Next week, we'll uh, celebrate our graduating uh, high school seniors as we look to the end of that journey, the launching of them into the world. But what we've noticed uh, is a a trend in our culture and with our teens that is something we want to disrupt. We want to change here at Greenville Oaks. The stats are saying that in North America, in the United States, that one in every two students who walks through student ministries in our churches end up leaving faith in just a few years after leaving high school. And uh, we want to build resilient disciples who are launched into the world with strong faith in Jesus, who withstand that uh, pressure that's in our culture and continue to choose the Jesus way. And so uh, we, we've, we're in a five-week series in the middle of that just this Sunday. Let's pray as we open uh, this time in prayer this morning. God, we, we come before you today with uh, the desire to be a church that raises disciples of Jesus from day one in their lives until they are launched, who will continue to do that for future generations. So God, today we pray you would give us everything we need to live godly lives, everything we need to uh, prepare a launch pad here at Greenville Oaks for for our, our disciples here that will launch into the world even next week to be sent off as faithful followers of yours. We thank you so much for Jesus and that you don't leave us alone, but you promise your spirit to us to live within us as your followers. And it's for that that we give thanks today. And I pray this morning you'd pour through me the gift of preaching so that Christ would be formed in our hearts. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. So, Launching Disciples, a series about passing on faith to our kids, because the reality is Whether you want to admit it or not, a day comes where your kids will be launched into the world. That's the successful goal of every parent is to be able to send your kids wherever it may be, even if it's local, but to be sent into the world to follow Jesus in their own right with their own faith. And that means if you have kids at home, you're preparing them for that launch in some way. And, And that brings this question to mind that I want to give to you today. What do you want to give your kids before they're launched into the world? What are the priorities that you want to pass on that they will take with them in the days ahead or when you're gone? Priorities that they'll leave for their families. And however you answer that question, if you're serious about preparing your kids for the world in a particular way, those priorities are gonna have to be built into all of the parenting that goes on every single day. I've, I've titled this sermon, How to Build a Rocket. We talked about shuttles, we talked about rockets in this series. If you're a parent with a child at home, You're launching a rocket. And the reality is you were not given a manual for how to launch your particular rocket. You were handed a child at the hospital and you were to take them home and somehow keep them alive at the start, right? And once you get a hang for how to at least keep them alive, then there's the challenge of other kids that enter in with their influence. There's the challenge of getting them educated and prepared to stand on their own. There's all these challenges that come stage by stage in this process. And so a rocket is not built in a day. It's built stage by stage, phase by phase, and our kids are built in a similar way. Today we're going to talk about those different phases of a, uh, of a child, a student's life the different developmental phases that come along, the different changes they will undergo, and, and the uh, moment opportunity we have at each of these phases to play an important role as volunteers, as leaders, as parents, as grandparents. Uh, but before we get to those stages, I want to direct our attention to a part of the Bible that's been really important in every series I've ever done on raising uh, followers of Jesus. And that comes from the book of Deuteronomy. So if you have your Bibles open with me to that fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy, it's in those first five books called the Torah, which are the law of God that's handed on to the people of God, the story of Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus numbers, now Deuteronomy. Chapter five is where Moses has received the 10 commandments, those tablets with these commands there to follow all the days that they will will follow their God afterward. And there's several commands that come after that. And one of those commands comes here about how do we pass on this faith to the next generation? Listen to this in Deuteronomy six, verse four and following hero, Israel, But God gives us this as a model for how we're to pass on faith to the next generation. And I love this morning what uh, one of our uh, panelists in the class I was a part of, Lisa Lee, said about this passage that before we're able to impress these things on our kids, what does it say there in verses five and following? It says, these commandments that I give to you are to be on your hearts. And I think that's such an important point. I was grateful to Lisa for pointing that out because we can't pass on something that we don't first have Uh, as a priority in our own lives. And I'll come back to that in a little bit. But then after we have them downloaded on us, we want to impress those things and commandments on our kids. But how are we to do that? And what's interesting in this passage is Moses doesn't say, I want you to go through this checklist of weekly activities. And if you check those things off, then faith will automatically get passed on. He he doesn't say, I want you to have a 30 minute devotional with your kids and, and then we'll call it good for the day. Although we would encourage you, have a 30-minute devotional with your kids. Talk about faith when you're at home. Make it a daily practice. Moses also doesn't say, I want you to go to synagogue or, or temple every single week when you have an opportunity to do so. Again, I think a great practice is to get our kids around others that influence them and getting them to church is a way that they'll build those relationships. That's not what Moses says. In essence, Moses says, talk about it everywhere you go in everything you do. Every single moment that you encounter with your kids beside you is an opportunity to form them in the way of faith, opposite the way that the world will conform them to its image. Too many of us have experienced and grown up with faith as, an, as a compartmentalized thing, right? We have our church activities and our rituals that we do in this space, and then we have the rest of our world that we move on to. Or we have our church friends, and we have the rest of our friends. And and we're almost two different people in those different spaces. But that's not what Moses says. Moses says every single moment, when you lie down, when you get up, when you walk along the road, every single moment of your life with your kids, with your grandkids, is an opportunity to impress on them the commands of God. It's a false divide to think that we have a spiritual and a secular realm where we act in different ways. Now, your job as a parent is... It's to make faith impact every action, every decision and situation that you encounter and to teach your children to do the same. Because here's the reality. You're teaching your child when you mean to and even when you don't mean to. And that's a hard sentence to read, right? Because we want to think, well, it's our intentional times that make the biggest difference. But your kids find out and know what's the priority in your life because you're always teaching your kids. It's just that sometimes you're using words. And every word you do uh, use around them shapes them to see the world in certain ways. Your kids have picked up a world of beliefs by the way that you live and engage your life, by the priorities you've set out. They know what you really believe. And no amount of bringing them to church to have others download faith into them can overcome what happens in the home in the intentional ways that you're raising them up or unintentional. So what Moses says is be aware of that, be intentional about everything you do and how it changes your kids, how it shapes them to see who God the father is. The other authority figures in their life will shape them to see who God is. If if you really want to launch your kids well into the world, you'll need to work faith into every nook and cranny of your life. Talk about the story of God and his commands when you're at the dinner table, which is one of the most important priorities we can set out for our kids. When you see a homeless person on the side of the road, don't ignore that man or woman. Stock your car with plastic bags filled with bottled water, granola bars, and a bus pass. Show your kids that we see people, we don't ignore them. When you're watching TV and movies and something objectionable comes on, you're thinking, what is it that my kids are watching anyway? That pause button can be an incredible thing that previous generations didn't have to just stop and say, you know, there's things we believe about the world and you're going to get messages all the time that are different. Let's talk about the very thing that was on there. Those are opportunities, not just things to hide them from. And even the colorful language that you may hear at a sporting event, don't try to act like your kids are deaf. They hear all that. And hopefully uh, you have a chance to be able to counteract those things and say, this is why we talk differently. This is why we choose not to berate the referees. Now, the only way you can do that is if you're not the one yelling at the referees, right? But you're able to point out and say, we see things differently. Everyone's created in the image of God. Memorize scripture with your kids, impress the words of scripture. It says there, tie them on their foreheads, bind those commands on the the doorways, the frames of your house, find ways around your house to even put important messages that you want them to walk away with. They'll see those things. Your kids learn to engage the world through your model. They learn to ignore by what you ignore. They learn to be addicted to their screens, to the way that you model of being addicted to your screens. They learn to care about what you choose to care about. As I told you earlier, I call this message, how to build a rocket because rocket ships aren't built in one day. They're built phase by phase by a series of people that have a hand in it. And the same is true with your children. Your children develop over time. And Samantha, our children's minister, and Wes, our student minister, and the rest of our leaders that volunteer and play important roles in those ministries, they, they develop, a lot, spend a lot of time going to conferences and trying to learn in their own personal lives, the latest research and learning what developmentally is best for our kids in different stages. And they, with intention, try to set out our curriculum and, and all the activities and lessons that fit the phase of development your child is in. So for the next few minutes, I want to talk about the different phases of a child's life. And these phases could be broken down a lot more into sub-phases, but I want to talk about four main phases that every child walks through. The preschool phase, the elementary phase, the middle school phase, and the high school phase. And when I say the term phase, here's what I mean by that. Here's how I define that. A phase is a time frame in a, chi- in a kid's life when we can leverage distinctive opportunities to influence their future and their faith. Sometimes we'll talk about a phase as when we talk about our kids as well, it's just a phase, right? This is going to move on. And The way we want you to think about it as people who are trying to develop faith in your kids is, we don't just talk about phases as well. At least this is going to move on to a new phase, which we feel at times. But every phase is an important opportunity to engage faith at that level. So it's just a phase. So don't miss this phase. Don't be present in this phase with all its craziness and with all of its joy, and with all the blessing that's there, because if you miss out on this phase, you miss out on an opportunity to pour faith into them at that time. Uh, to make the greatest difference in a child's life, it's important to understand those phases. And so I want to start by talking about how preschool is the place where we lay a foundation to help our kids understand that God is a God who loves them, who cares for them, has created them in his image. That God is there for them no matter what. In the elementary phase, we have an opportunity to inspire kids with Bible stories, to help them understand the story of God, the commandments of God. They're thinking in very concrete terms in those early years, and so we have a chance to pass on those stories of faith that they'll be able to look at uh, at different levels later on in their journey. In the middle school phase, we help kids take ownership over their faith. They're moving from concrete to abstract principles, and this is the time where they're going to ask questions, and they're going to decide, am I going to own this faith, or is this just going to be a cultural thing? my parents passed on or I'll dismiss along the way. And in the high school phase, we get to challenge our teenagers to live out their faith in ways that change the world around them, that change who they are. Every phase is unique and every phase matters. kids are going through so much change. You think about all the different changes that happen. We're talking physical changes and mental changes and cultural changes they're dealing with, relational, emotional, and moral changes all around them and inside of them. Just take one of those changes for a moment. Think physically about your kids and all the things that happen over 18 years, right? They're born. And it's amazing every time I see a baby in a hospital room, how small they seem, right? Because our kids grow up and we forget how small they once were, how, how small those fingers and those toes really are. They start off so small and they're put into your hands to grow up, but eventually they move into their you know, and, and they grow hair and teeth in that first year, and they, they go from tummy time to crawling around to some of them walking by the end of the first year. And then your elementary age kids seem to grow a foot a week at some point, right? You're feeding them, and you can't stop feeding them. Just wait until the teenage years come, right? But but then comes those middle school years, and um, you got to start buying deodorant if you haven't already, right? Because there's different changes that start happening. We're having to teach those principles in our home in a starting way. If you've ever been on a middle school retreat, Axe Body Spray is the bane of the youth minister's existence in those years. It covers up things that need to be covered up. But, and then by the high school years, it's amazing because you know that baby that once had these little hands, are, he's, he's growing a beard, right? And trying to figure out life. And she's trying to figure out life in a whole new way. And so it's amazing the physical changes. But that's just one segment of the changes that happens in a child's life. Mentally, things are changing. Right, in elementary or preschool students is finally starting to maybe learn words and, and put full sentences together. And then an elementary students learning to pick up on sarcasm and starting to use it, usually improperly at first. It takes some work. And, and then comes the middle school phase where you can't even get their attention long enough, right, to hold on to a sentence and continue it on. And then high school comes and, and they're asking a set of questions that are a whole new thing that maybe you realize I don't have the answers for. In fact, some of us in elementary phase were getting those questions. Middle school phase, we're getting those questions. They're inquisitive. They want to know about the world and they have questions about who God is in the midst of that. And we want to be people who are open to those questions, but to think about how they think there's, as I think about these phases, preschool, elementary, middle school, and high school, I I would describe their thinking in this way, the orange uh, theory that we kind of use here of blending home and, and and the work of church together as this kind of double influence that helps shapes them. Talks about four phases, those four phases. And, They think about the world in very different ways. A a preschooler tends to think of the world like an artist does. Artists experience the world through activities that stimulate their five senses. Preschoolers blend reality and imagination through, and they learn through repetition. A baby's brain has more neurons uh, than at any other time in their life. And those neurons are forming 2 million synapses every second. Preschoolers learn experientially through their senses. They like artists, they want to make and shape things with their hands. Very experiential. Elementary kids think like scientists. They get the concrete world. They want to see concrete evidence that they can test repeatedly. Elementary age kids discover how things work through repetition and clear application. They're concrete thinkers in the States. It's hard to think about uh, abstract concepts like love and exactly who God is, right? We have these clear pictures we try to give them in stories, but they're trying to figure things out. And they learn best when they can observe things connected to their present environment. The more that a new concept can be connected to their everyday experience, the better. Then they get in the middle school age where they would think like engineers are moving from that concrete phase to more of an abstract way of thinking. They can connect concepts to work together. They personalize these abstract concepts by connecting ideas This is a big change. It's where often faith is going to either be connected and passed on, where they're going to make decisions that they'll hold on to for a lifetime, or they're going to start to develop questions. And we've got to wade into the doubt in the midst of faith as well. That's hard as a parent when what we long for and try to drive them toward are decisions of faith, but they've got to own it themselves. And the process only gets more complex as they move to high schoolers and start to think like philosophers. Philosophers seek to understand what cannot be seen, what cannot be understood. High schoolers want to develop meaning and they learn best by processing those ideas out loud. I can't tell you how many nights I was just running over ideas as a high schooler. I'm sure my parents got tired of it, but I appreciate their willingness to be patient, to listen to those crazy ideas that I was coming up with because it was through open debate and multiple perspectives and applied reasoning that we begin to understand the analytical side of our minds that grow. I could go on and on. And many of you know much more than I do about these developmental phases. If you do, please be plugging into our student and children's ministry because they want people who are competent, who understand the background of these things or, or that can be taught as well. But each of these phases also has a key question or a key set of questions that they're walking through. And they also come these phases with distinct opportunities to pass faith on. So I want to pass through this a little bit. I want to tell a story in each of these phases about people who had an influence in my life. One of the key questions that preschoolers ask are, am I questions? Am I safe? Right? The important early years of appropriate touch and parents trying to surround them is trying to remind them, you're safe. You're, you're in my embrace. You'll be okay. Am I able, right? They, they start to grow and test things out and try their new abilities. Am I able to walk? Am I able to move through life? Okay. Am I Okay. And the key response as volunteers and as parents and grandparents that we can give to kids in this phase as they're asking those am I questions is to embrace their physical needs. Make sure that they have everything that they need. Make sure they have enough love around them. Make sure uh, as as hard it is to keep giving that touch when they want more and more. That embrace is so important in these years. And then we move into the element. Well, before we do that, I want to talk about who was most impactful for me. And, And for some of you, it'd be the same. My mom and my dad were the two most influential people. There's little Colin right there, so studious as he was with the library behind him. And uh, it was my mom and, dad and my dad at that phase that made the biggest impact on my life because they took me to church. Dad was a preacher and, and we learned by mimicking things. And so you learn along the way where dad preaches and then you get up and you start trying to preach as well. And uh, that's, yeah, we were... We better move through this quickly. That's a little Colin learning to preach actually. So if you don't like, don't think I dress up enough, I'm better dressed than I used to be. Okay. Um, let's move past that to the elementary phase. We move to the elementary phase and there's some key questions we begin to ask. Do I have questions or where we focus? Do I have your attention, right? That's so much of what we want from parents. We're asking why questions we may be wearing them out, but our attention given to them is so important in this phase. Uh, Do I have what it takes? We're learning to go on our own to school and learn to read all these important early things we're learning. Do I have what it takes to make it? Uh, Do I have friends who around me is going to respond well to me? And the best response we can give in this phase is to engage their interests. Right now, as a parent in the elementary age, that's where all three of our kids are entering into this fall. Our youngest will be in kindergarten. We have so many activities, so many things. And they want me to be interested in so many different things they care about. And and I want to pass things on that matter to me. But man, it's so important for me to engage not what I want them to be interested in, but what they're interested in. So if my daughter loves art. I want to learn more about art, even though I didn't take art in all through school. I, I, if my daughter loves piano, I want to understand and experience that and be present at those recitals. If my kid loves sports, I want to learn about every stat that he's learning about with these new players and uh, sabermetrics in baseball, even if that's what that means. That was the... Why are we doing these shifts? It's ridiculous, right? But that's what my son grows up with is a baseball that's so different than, uh, than I grew up with. And so I got to engage their interests. And that can be hard as you get older and you have these grandkids that are learning about all these different things and see the world in different ways. We can want to pull them back, but it's so important that we engage them in their interests. One of the people in my life that made a big difference was Winnie Cross. Winnie was uh, an elder's wife in our church in San Diego, California. And Winnie was uh, uh, one of my uh, Sunday school teachers. And she passed off faith to me in a regular way. And I love this picture because this was my first or second year in ministry. I was at the Pepperdine Bible lectures, teaching my first or second lecture at a conference. And Winnie showed up from San Diego, drove all the way up. And it was so great to see this woman who'd passed on the Jesus story to me, that then was seeing me get to share that story with others. And so she engaged our interest. There were so many others that played an important role. But I I think of Winnie when I think of that uh, stage. I'm grateful for so many who play that role for our kids. But then we move past elementary and we move to the middle school phase. In middle school, the questions are who questions? Who do I like? Who likes me? Uh, and, and we ask questions along the way about who I really am. What's my uniqueness? We're trying to differentiate ourselves from others. This is also a big phase as I'm talking to parents who are dealing with this right now, where a lot of the elementary relationships that were the same as we go to middle school, they begin to shift and change. And, and, and the people that you once knew start having different interests or different ways that they're engaging the world that may not be how you're seeing the world. And so it's a, it's a shifting of relationships that happens. And so a lot of questions stem from that. And so the way we respond to that is we affirm their personal journey. And it can be hard in those middle school years to affirm everything. It's not that we affirm everything that they're walking through, but it is wherever we can to affirm that, hey, you're going to be enough. There are going to be people who are going to like you even in the midst of this phase and, and you'll move past this phase, but in this phase, affirm their personal journey. And for me, one of the people who did that, the couples that did that for me were Dale and Janice Vernon. Dale was a minister at the Highland Oaks Church of Christ in Dallas. And it wasn't that he was a minister that made it significant. It was that he was our small group huddle leader every Wednesday night. So every Wednesday night after school, we'd go over to his house. His son was my age and we'd play video games. And then it would come time for dinner and they'd feed us. And then, then it would come time for our conversation and we'd play video games after. And, and it was a fun time. But it, what was most important were these people who showed up in, I, in my life who are one of my five people that we talk about, right? They're people outside of my parents that are influencing me toward Jesus. And they affirm my journey in the midst of all that. And I'm grateful for Dale and Janice. And then comes the high school years. And there's a different set of questions. It's Where and why and how these are the kind of questions. Where do I belong? Why should I even believe? Should I believe what my parents have passed on? How can I matter? And what will I do? And the important key response we can give in this phase to our students uh, is to mobilize their potential, mobilize their potential. Uh, For me, the the person who did that most for me was a guy named Josh Ross. Josh is actually preaching the stage. He's a preacher in the Memphis area. And Josh was my high school intern for two summers. This is him and and his family and my family. When I got to preach at his church uh, just last year, but Josh uh, was there for two summers in those important years where I was trying to come to faith. And I'm so grateful for the ways that he passed faith onto me. What he did was he mobilized my faith journey. He challenged me and saw things in me that I didn't see in myself. And what he challenged me to say was, look, you're a leader and you have more potential in you than you can see, but it's important that you step up and that you become a follower of Jesus and pursue him with all of your heart. And that mattered because it was somebody further on the journey who saw something and called it out. He mobilized my potential. And I, I'm thinking about all the ways that will happen this summer with teens and students and kids who are going to camps and retreats and all these different things and the ways that can impact them. We need to be praying over these retreats and camps and over Wes and, and Kylie this summer and all those who are pouring into our students and our kids for Samantha and Jimmy and, and their family as well, because they're, they're doing important things to mobilize our kids. And the same is true for us as we get to go on those trips with them. So I'm grateful for these people in my life, and I know I want my kids to have the very same thing available for theirs. I want to close just by reminding you of what your task is and what this series is all about. As a parent, as a grandparent, as an aunt, as an uncle, as a brother, as a sister, whatever your role is relationally, whether that's by blood or whether that's the fact that we're a church community together, we have a role that we've committed to last week in our baby dedication. What we did is we covenanted with parents to help them raise their kids, to look at their pictures and, and to come to their kids events and to do these things I've talked about today. I want to challenge you in whatever ways you are, take the next step to do that in a, in a child's life, in your life, take a step. If you're a teacher administrator in your school and serving in some role to pick out one or two that you're going to, going to speak life into, going to help mobilize them for their potential because it can make all the difference in the world. I want us to do this as a church. And the hard thing is we think we get it, right? We get to phase one and we learn how to parent our first kid. And we think, well, now we're finally getting it. And then phase two comes and phase three comes. And then we think we've got all the phases. And then another kid comes along and we realize, wait, they're completely different and need something completely different to be launched into the world. Well, it's like this parenting journey, this walking with kids journey is an always a challenge to always expand and grow and move. And we're all in this together building our rockets, building our kids, and we can't do it alone. It always works best when we do this together. And that's what we're doing here at Greenville Oaks. We're launching rockets. We're launching disciples with God's help and with the help of one another. So I want to close this morning in prayer, praying over these disciples that we're planning to launch. And next week we'll come back together and we'll get to celebrate the launch of uh, our high school seniors as they're about to enter into the world. But thank you for the ways that you do engage, the ways you do help mobilize and assist and embrace uh, all of these kids. It's vital. And I'm grateful to be a part of a church where that happens so often. Let's pray as we close this morning. God, we we give thanks for uh, these disciples you've handed to us. These phases that you've given to us that some of us were ready to move on from. But God, there's going to be a day where we long for that last phase, where we wish we could go back to pour more in. And yet the present moment is where you call us with all the mistakes we've made and with all the, 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 the important, great conversations we've had. God, we can't do this on our own. and We need a community and we beg for your Holy Spirit to be involved in their lives, to shore up what we can't possibly do perfectly on our own. God, we, 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 we make mistakes all the time. And yet there were parents of ours that made mistakes and he tried to pass on faith or who tried to get us places and care for us and help us launch into the world. We give thanks for that. Even when the midst of their failure So, God, we fail forward. We continue to fall forward, asking for you to pick up on the things that we do poorly. God, and to continue to multiply and, and bring growth in those seeds that we do scatter. Well, help us to first of all, be people who have your commandments on our hearts so that we can impress those same commandments on our children. God, I pray for each child in this church as we're praying as a church community over each one over these five weeks. I pray that you would walk with each one this week as, as testing happens, God, and as these big moments and pray you would just lay any fears or anxieties they have and be with the teachers and administrators who I know are walking with them in this week as well. And uh, for the college students who are finishing up finals and who are coming back home for all of those, God, that are part of this community. Pray that we can help launch disciples well. We pray this in the name of Jesus and all who's,
0: who agreed said, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. We hope this message helps you in your walk to find real significance in Jesus. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Discover more about the Greenville Oaks Church online at greenvilleoaks.org.